You're listening to Ben and Bikes with your host, Ben Lockett. This podcast is about bikes, but more about the people who ride them and their stories, and less about frame size, shock technology, or even the Tour de France. This is Ben and Bikes, where every bike tells a story. Inside each and every one of us is that inexhaustible well of grit, guts, and determination. That not only applies to every mountain biker that lines up at that starting line, crews, the family, whatever. You've got that within you if you just believe in yourself, believe in your family. Then when those times in life come, I will guarantee it will come in the mountain bike race. Mm -hmm. There will be times you'll want to quit. There will be times you want to, whose bright idea was this? What in the what God bless am I doing out here? It's right. going to hurt. Then you have to reach inside you. This episode of the Ben and Bikes podcast is brought to you by Dr. Squatch Natural Soap for Men. Let's face it, chaps, after a long day in the saddle, we stink. Now you can upgrade your shower game with Dr. Squatch Natural Soap. You want to smell like the forest, there's pine tar. You want to smell like the sea, there's nautical sage. And if you want to smell like you just got off a boat in the Caribbean, there's bay rum. Visit drsquatch.com, that's D-R-S-Q-U-A-T-C-H.com for more detail. And now to this week's episode of Ben and Bikes. This weekend, I'll be up in Leadville, Colorado to talk with some of the athletes taking part in the iconic CenturyLink Leadville Trail 100 mountain bike race. The goal is to talk to athletes before, during, and after the race. My next episode will be based on those conversations. This week, I'm replaying an episode from earlier in the year where I interviewed the founders of the Leadville race series, Ken Clauber and Merrilee Maupin. This episode of Ben and Bikes is coming to you from Leadville, Colorado at 10,152 feet above sea level, a hair over 3,000 meters for those smart ones out there that choose to use a base 10 measuring system. <laughs> Leadville is the highest incorporated city in the United States. A former silver mining town that lies near the headwaters of the Arkansas River and in the heart of the Rocky Mountains, sitting close to the base of the two highest mountains above 14,000 feet in Colorado, Mounts, Elbert, and Massive. What a great place for a 100-mile mountain bike race. The Leadville Trail 100 was first run in 1994 and has become one of the best marketed, attended, and known marathon events in mountain bike racing. The Leadville 100 race is legendary, mentioned in the same breath as the Iditarod, the Transalpine, and La Ruta. In 2017, nearly 1,484 started, about 70% of those managed to finish in less than 12 hours. This year, the Leadville 100 marks its 25th anniversary. And I want to make a point that that's the Leadville 100 mountain bike race and not the running race version. The race is run on a 50 mile or 80 kilometer out and back course starting and finishing in downtown Leadville. Major climbs include an over 3,000 foot ascent from miles 40 to 50 to the Columbine Mine, power line at mile 80 and St. Kevin's at mile 86. Do it in less than 12 hours and you'll get a silver belt buckle. Do it in less than nine and you'll get a gold one. Both will enable you to stand tall with your mates in the bar and to show your grandchildren before you take them off on their first mountain bike ride. 
As is standard for these types of races, there is an ever-burning energy source behind an event of this magnitude, and that's certainly true for this race. And that energy source is provided by Ken Clauber and Merrily Maupin, the founders of the Leadville 100. Ken and Merrily, welcome <laughs> to the Ben and Bikes podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, a couple of quick corrections. See, I, here we go. Okay. okay. Now about Leadville, you said yeah. Leadville was, was a silver mining town. Well, we were at one point. Right. But originally, the start of Leadville was gold. Uh-huh. Gold in the creeks and free gold. It uh, washed out of the hills and so forth. And then the uh, prospectors sought the mother load, so they went up into the hills to find where the gold came from, and in doing so, they found more gold, but they also, in having troubles with their sloughs, uh, water uh, separation process to get the gold out, had a black sand, heavy black sand. That was assayed and be high in silver. Oh. So we came from gold to silver, and then... Uh, Malta metals and uh, today's mining economy primarily is molybdenum. Yep, Molly, right? Yeah. Yeah. Molly, right. So the Climax mine is open again, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So it yeah. closed down for a number of years, which is, uh, we'll it talk about closed, that later. Right? Yeah, it, the Climax mine closed in 1982. I was an underground shift boss there in 1982. We had 3,200 employees at that mine. Uh-huh. So overnight, when that mine closed, Leadville became the highest unemployment in the nation. Yeah. And uh, with with that came all the horrible, tragic things come with total unemployment. Yeah. So that's when Marilyn and I started the Leadville Trail 100 run. Yeah. First race in which has in- nothing to do with a donkey race. Had nothing to do with today. <laughs> no, nothing to do at all other than the, than the, the donkey race, the barrel race, did uh, keep us, both Marilee and I, athletically fit. So when right. we started the 100 mile run, we, we kind of, we, at least right. we had a running. Uh, there's running a connection. Background. See, there is a connection, right? Yeah. I knew it. I knew it. One more, one more, just yeah. quick correction yeah, on please. your introduction yeah. there was the buckles. Yeah. You finish in that uh, mountain bike race in under 12 hours, totally right. You get the silver, silver buckle. Right. You finish under nine hours, you get La Plata Grande. Okay. big silver. Oh. It does have silver and gold uh, tint to it or, or parts of it gold, but, but it's primarily uh, a big, Big silver buckle, almost right. too big to wear if you okay. if you finish in under that. <laughs> Other than that, you're great. All right, yeah, good, good, all right. good so to go. A, Saddle up. A belt buckle and and gold, not not well, gold first, then silver. I actually just finished reading a book called Tomboy Bride. I don't know if you've seen it or read it. Okay, and it's, uh, you know, they start off in Leadville mining gold, so I should have have remembered that. Ken, you came to Leadville in the mid-70s, I believe, looking Mm -hmm. for employment and finding it, as as you've mentioned already, as a shift worker in the Climax mine with your wife and son. Correct. You're originally an Oklahoma boy. <laughs> is, for sure. Is that right? Pure country. Uh, and a rather odd background for a minor, given the fact that you have a degree in biology and worked in the state's wildlife department, um, mostly in aquatic environments, which I'm trying to connect the dots between that uh, and mining. And Other than the fact you're a smart man. You're yeah. a smart man. <laughs> <laughs> no, when, um, when we moved to Colorado, we moved 
moved specifically to Leadville, right. the mine was hiring anybody and everybody. Yeah. In the 70s, mining was a big boom and molybdenum prices was high and mining would do great at hiring anybody and everybody. They didn't care if I had a college degree or not. Yep. They just hired me. Uh, two hands, two legs, just head. You bet. Yep. I, I was just common labor and I loved it because mm-hmm. I was making big money because mm-hmm. I took all the overtime I could get and that was generally just shoveling rock back up on where it spilled, back on the conveyor belts or wherever they needed somebody with a shovel and hard work, and yeah. and I did that. And then somebody ratted on me and told them that I had a college degree. They immediately <laughs> moved me into management, <laughs> which meant I got no more overtime. I did the same amount of work probably for less money. Right. But, uh, but yeah, it was was a bump up to go into into management hands. So right. I had a uh, had a crew. We yep. worked worked underground. I loved it. Yeah, totally loved it. Yeah, coincidentally, my grandfather was a mining engineer. Yeah. He was based primarily in Indian uh, gold mining out there. Oh so, boy, yeah, yeah. He's from a place called Cornwall, and a lot of Cornish tin miners came to Colorado and Leadville. Yeah. In fact, if you go to the Idaho Springs Mining Museum. There is a poster there of uh, Cornish miners in their helmets with their candles stuck on their on their brim. So they were I'm the sure no- Leadville has oh, a I'm quite rich sure. history. Well, they all knew what they were doing, right? So they were the knowledge workers of the day. Yeah. Uh, they got paid a fortune because they knew what they were doing, right? Yeah. So there we go. And you were a state senator as well, uh, Ken. Is that correct? Well, this this came along with the uh, mine being. Um, uh, mine closing and then we started the races and then being the highest unemployment in the nation I thought it, you know, in the mid 80s I thought somebody's got to go to the state capitol and tell them Leadville needs some help yeah. we're, uh, economically we're devastated we're going to uh, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps but uh, so anyway ran for the house of representatives thought I'd go down there and serve two years and come back home well 18 years later I was still there okay no served 10 years in the house and yeah. eight years in the senate mm-hmm. and, uh, but by that time Marilee was mastering all the management of all the races while I was running off playing politics so right. uh, then then uh, came back and we we uh, started building building the races and contributing to our community. Yep. Am I right in saying that Leadville was the capital of Colorado at one point? No, it was never the capital, but it was considered for being the capital. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, Ken, you seem to define, and, and I will come on to you in a minute, Mary. You, you've been very quiet over there. You've defined the idea that age is a state of mind, from my perspective. As a septuagenarian, not only do you keep yourself in superb shape, but you've also bagged a number of the world's highest peaks, if I'm, I'm right in saying. Yeah. Although, through a twist of fate, you narrowly avoided a, a, a really nasty avalanche in 2012, Correct. killing 11 climbers, right? My, my goal, and I, I'm, I firmly believe the purpose of life is a life of purpose, so I don't want my life to do anything but serve a greater good, serve the people I share the planet with, and, and what I want to do is use my life at this point as an example to guys in my age group to get off your tail, get yeah. on the bike, get on, uh, go for a run, do do something. Do something. Uh, yeah, do something, keep moving. If you're, if you're moving, father time can't catch you. So, yeah, I did, I summited Aconcagua, second highest of the seven summits, uh, 
highest uh, peak in the Andes. I summited that somewhat after my 70th birthday. Continued on to that, went to Nepal a couple of times, and that's still a goal of mine to summit one of the 8,000-meter peaks. Mm -hmm. And uh, But yeah, I did get on Mount Manaslu over there, one of the 8,000-meter peaks, and we got hit, uh, my climbing team got hit by a horrible avalanche yep. that happened at 2 a.m. in the morning. Avalanches aren't supposed to happen in the middle of the night. It's... Uh, it should be frozen and solid, but this one happened and uh, killed 15 climbers. Yeah. And uh, so we we got out of there. And so hopefully someday I'll go back and um, may, maybe this October. And, and uh, my mountain of choice would be Choyoyu, right next door to Everest. And yeah. So we'll see. Well, good luck with that. So, Merrily, you are a Texan. I am. Uh, probably a very proud Texan, as most Texans <laughs> seem to be. <laughs> you are uh, you're a teacher? Um, no. Oh, okay. I did see that on the web, so you can never believe what's written on the web. But you, you were married, and that took you from school to Leadville for your husband's job, and I believe he worked in the mines. He did. Okay, okay so I'm three for, one, uh, three for four or something on those days. Sadly, passed away several years later, but by then... You and your daughter had already come to love this beautiful town of Leadville in Colorado, and I can totally see why. You were honored in 2016 by the Sportswomen of Colorado. Congratulations on that. Oh, thank you so well much. Well earned. And you are honored along with my mate, Kate Rao, executive director of the Colorado High School Cycling League. Um, I think you know her or have met her before. Right? I have, yes. Yeah. You are both of cut from the same cloth from what I can work out. I wouldn't mess with both of you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So, Ken, you and you and Marilee came together as friends, drawn together, as you say, by running the Leadville Race Series, and you stayed together as business partners in this sport for, for many years to this, to this point. 35 years. 35 yeah. years. Yeah. Do, you, do you get a belt buckle for that? We've been... We, <laughs> she, Maybe you... She, do you, she should. you get your shisha race? Before you start your interview with her, let me yeah. let me give you the credit that she well deserves in this because we started had the first foundation of the run of the bike started in first race in 1983. Didn't really know what we were doing running ultra ultra events, so I went to some of the other ultra races as just a couple. Uh, Donner Trail 100, Western States 100. And I came back and I, t I told Marilyn, I said, you know, they've got too damn many rules. Mm -hmm. They don't treat their customers right. They don't treat the people, that, their athletes right. And I said, what we're going to do, we're going to treat all of our athletes just like they are number one customers. Mm -hmm. And at that point, she says, no, we're going to treat them as family. Mm -hmm. Therein lies the foundation for all of our success. Mm -hmm. And I give her total credit for that because we treat every athlete that comes here as family. She knows their kids, their dogs, when they got married, whatever. They are a part of our family. And in doing so, that what makes our race, I think, different, thanks to her, everybody, family, we're going to do everything we possibly can to get that mountain bike racer across that finish line in under 12 hours mm -hmm. whatever it 
in whatever account yeah. because they're family. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. And actually, yeah. I was looking at the uh, Merrily you provided with those stats that I used at the beginning about you know fifteen hundred people started, and and I, I did the math on it of those people that finish in under twelve hours, and it was seventy yeah. percent. And I thought actually that's not bad. Seventy percent is pretty right. good, right? Yeah. I would think it'd be like fifty percent or something yeah. along those lines. But seventy percent of people drag themselves across that finish line in 12 hours or less. That's, uh, that's an incredible feat for most people. Have you finished singing the praises of Merrily? Have you, have, you have you done that enough yet? Or do you want to say anything else? No, I'm done. You're done. <laughs> that's all you get, Merrily. I'm done. Okay. I just, just wanted to make sure that you... Yeah. Although I may jump in at any moment. <laughs> So Ken, you've famously said that inside every one of us is an inexhaustible well of grit and determination. If when that time comes, we hurt so bad, we have the courage to reach inside to that grit and determination and go on. Go on when others will turn back, right? Correct. So what makes a finisher at the Leadville 100? Inside each and every one of us is that inexhaustible well of grit, guts, and determination. That not only applies to every mountain biker that lines up at that starting line, that plan, that applies to the crews, the families, whatever. You've got that within you if you just believe in yourself, believe in your family. Then when those times in life come, it will, I will guarantee it will come in the mountain bike race. Mm -hmm. There will be times you'll want to quit. There'll be times you want, whose bright idea was this? What in the world? God bless am I doing out here? It's right. going to hurt. Then you have to reach inside you. And and we get people to prove that. They, yeah, I said, if you'll just do that, you'll get to that next aid station. Yeah, I am better. I can dig deep. I can reach inside myself. Where that really matters, where that really has meaning and value is outside the race arena. Because mm -hmm. you're going to have that time, those times in your life that really hurt. Things, bad things are gonna happen with job, with family, with kids, whatever. There's some bad things gonna happen. You learn in the Leadville Trail 100 mountain bike race, you reach inside yourself and dig deep. You learn that here. And then when that happens in your in your private life, in yeah. your, or your job, your professional, or your personal life, you'll know that that well is within you and you can reach down in there and go on. Do you think, Ken, that in the societies that we live in today, that that, that well gets harder to find and deeper and deeper for, for a lot of people? It seems that we get stuck inside too much and we don't stretch ourselves. Well, it, it, may, it may well be, and so that's, that's our mission, Marilena's mission, to show that to people that come here, because it's inherent in Leadville, that's just, if you live in Leadville, you're going to dig deep. You're going to, you, you know, so, you know, it's tough. You've got to shovel the snow and live at 10,200 feet uh, where there's just virtually no air. So that's, that's just inherent in Leadville. So we, if we can show them that, that that's in each and every one of you, then what we've done that's a very positive is we've changed people's lives yep. for the better. A tiny percentage of Uber athletes race to podium at, at this race. The vast majority race to finish. What brings that 98% that of people here to, to race their bikes? 
Yeah. You know, I think for many, they've seen a certain amount of success in their lives. They've been successful in their jobs, and and they're looking for for more, for new dragons to kill. Mm-hmm. And I think we've provided that. I think you do, absolutely <laughs> provide that, no doubt, yeah. Where do people come from for the race? I mean, you must get people from all, all over the all world, over right? The world. Yeah. All over the world. I will tell you a, a very quick story. I just climbed Mount Albert and I was filling up with gas at the station right here. It was the day of the Leadville 100. And right next door to me is a guy in what looks like a rental car. And he was dressed in racing kit. And I said to him, oh, did you just race the Leadville 100? And in a, in a very European accent, the guy says, yes, well, yes, I did. And I said, how did you do? And he said, I won it. <laughs> 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 and he told, I said, I'm so sorry, I don't know who you are. And he told me who he was. I bet if I look back through the records, I'd know exactly who he was. But I, was, I felt so humbled to, like, he was just a throwaway line. And here was a guy in a rental car just going yeah. back to DIA, flying back home, probably. <laughs> I'm taking a break from the Ben & Bikes podcast to tell you more about Dr. Scotch Natural Soap for Men. Made with natural ingredients from the earth like oils, plants, goat's milk, Greek yogurt, and oatmeal. Turn your post-ride shower game up to 11 and get ready to get out of the shower feeling alive. Ship straight to your door, 100% satisfaction guaranteed. And if you sign up for monthly automatic soap delivery, you'll get free shipping on all orders. Visit drsquatch.com. That's D-R-S-Q-U-A-T-C-H dot com for more details. And now back to this week's podcast. One of the messages we're going to deliver this year, it backs up just what you said about the, about the number of people that finish, that it's not about the podium, it's yeah. about the buckle. Yeah. You come here, we expect you to go home with that buckle, and we're going to do everything we possibly can to see that that happens. And if you don't quit... You just simply put that in your mind that, that you're going to go on no matter what. Yeah. You'll go home with that bubble. Yeah. You know, in business, they talk about this thing called a big, hairy, audacious goal, a BHAG. Did you have a BHAG that you thought that one day it could become this? Or did you just take, let's just start a race? What did you want at that point of the series? I think this is just inherent in Leadville. We just started it and we knew we were going to work hard, mm-hmm. we were going to build, and we were going to make it a success. Being a failure was not an option. Right. Because Leadville, we were at, we were at the bottom. We were at the economic bottom. Yeah. So this had to succeed, and yep. we knew that. Yeah. I've read a lot about the connection between the closure of the Climax Mine and the Leadville race, and I think yep. you probably get asked about this connection during every single one of these yep. types of interviews about how the race saved the town. My guess is that there's a lot more to it than that, a bit of a throwaway line. But needless to say, there is a connection between that, whether it's the definition of Leadville people and just getting out there and getting on with it. You've mentioned pulling up by your bootstraps, Ken. That seems to be a very Leadville philosophy. In real terms, what is the connection between the spirit of Leadville, the closure of the Climax Mine, which is now back open again, but nowhere near where it was, and what you guys have built here with the Leadville race series? You want to jump in there? I'm I'm locked and loaded on this because I I live with this in my mind daily, is what 
Because I, I went to work at 1982 yeah. swing shift yeah. and expecting I was going to be there till retirement day. And they called all the shift bosses up and said, said they were closing the mine. Mm. Go back, tell your crews to go home. Their unions will be in contact with them. Mm. And management hands will be in contact with you and let you know. I had to go back, get, you know, take off all the mining clothes I had on, put them in a plastic sack, take it to my pickup and drive home wondering how in the world am I going to tell mama and a baby boy mm -hmm. that their badass hard rock mine and daddy didn't have a job anymore. Mm -hmm. That still lives with me and that's, that keeps the fire, uh, economic goals fired within me to, to serve this community. Now, whether the Leadville Trail 100 saved Leadville, uh, that I, you know, I don't think so. Just given the history of Leadville, Leadville started in the 1880s, we've had devastating things happen before. Leadville always came back. And whether Ken and Marilyn Lee would have been here at this point in time, Leadville would have survived. Leadville on its own. Leadville has that strength and that power just innately uh, in itself. Leadville is a very special, special community. Yeah. That said, yeah, we did bring a huge economy to Leadville. It grew and grew, and uh, and it was just the two of us. Yeah. We did an incredible amount of work. Then we got connected with Lifetime, Lifetime Fitness Company. We got to be friends, family, with the Lifetime owners and, and uh, principals of that company. They approached us about taking over buying the race. It was at the point, I think, and Marilee, I think, agrees with me on this. We had worked so hard and we had pushed this rock up the hill just as far as we could push it. But with what Lifetime could bring to us, their reach, their global uh, connections with the athletic, not only the athletic community, but with the communities in general around the world, it was just too much for us to turn down in behalf of Leadville. Mm -hmm. we, we weren't looking to do anything personally for ourselves, but with what Lifetime could do for the races was just incredible. And they proved that out. Yeah. Proved that out. Because the, the races, we've added races, we've brought, uh, I think now we did an economic impact study in 2012. It was um, the races made, uh, brought in $15 million directly to the communities. In taxes? Yeah, in, in 2012. No, not in, just in, taxes. Okay. No. In, in, in money that came in from athletes. Spent okay. within the community. Okay, so growth, revenue for the city. Yeah. 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 And hotels, and restaurants, all the other stuff that would go into that economic study. I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's in the $20 million annual yeah. impact. Yeah. Yeah. Which now in a town like this is a significant impact. It that's, is. That's thanks to Lifetime's uh, reach yeah. uh, with all their clubs yeah. and, and what they can do for us. So is there, you know, is there a danger that the success of the race, you've mentioned Lifetime Fitness, international exposure, attendance by, let's just call them star-studded races from the world of the Tour de France and others, could diminish the sort of traditional mountain town character of the race? I really don't think so. I think Lifetime still pretty much sticks to, to what we started, and that is 
that this race is a race for anyone, anyone who has the courage to sign up and show up. So with that having been said, there'll always be, you know, we we were always back of the pack and that's pretty much where our heart lies with our racers. We love love our Tour de France winners, and but our hearts with being there at the finish line for those last finishers. And yeah, so yeah. We're going to continue to serve the economic interests of this community, and and as mining is has changed, we've always been a mining community. We always will be. It's one of the most highly mineralized piece of grounds on the face of the earth. So we'll always be a mining community, but mining in itself has changed. The Climax Mine today, when I worked there, we employed over 3,000 people. Mm-hmm. Today, that mine's operating with about 300 people. They're producing more molybdenum today because of the technology, because of the size of the equipment. Uh, they're producing more molybdenum today than we did in the 70s and yeah. 80s. Yeah. So that says things change. So we want to continue to serve the community. What's on our doorstep now is Leadville is such a has a huge athletic potential from May through September when the rest of the world is just too too hot to achieve and too hot to do anything. Yeah. So we want to help build more trails around here, invite athletes of all uh, abilities to come here and train. I'd like to see this someday to be an Olympic training center. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Uh, right. yeah. 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 So the the potential is is there from an athletic perspective and particularly from a, a from a mountain biking perspective. We're looking at all sorts of things from because the bicycles themselves are changing dramatically. Yeah, yeah. yeah no doubt. Yeah. I always I've always said to myself, hey, it's crazy. It's a bicycle, right? It's made from some type of material. It's got wheels and you pedal it. That's yep. Uh, that it's very cool. That's it. <laughs> but what it brings in terms of value to communities, in terms of youth sports, in terms of Olympic sports, in terms of just being able to get out there and ride a freaking bike, particularly from guys in my age group and and certainly uh, younger, should take up that bicycle because there is no better heart lung training. That that bicycle is no forgiveness in it. You're going to make those pedals go round and round, or you're going to fall over. That's so, yeah, yeah, it's an un- unforgiving machine. It, it, it has, it's heartless. Yeah. So we've mentioned the 25th anniversary. Congratulations. Right. That's a huge milestone of the mountain bike race. Will there be anything special in this year's race to celebrate that milestone? You know, we've talked about certain things, and we'll have to have those conversations with Lifetime, what they would like to do, because I'm sure they're going to explode that through their through their clubs uh, yep. around the nation and so forth. But yeah, they, we will definitely... Uh, yeah, celebrate that anniversary. Yeah. Merrily, one of the questions that I wanted to bring up is I've heard about the uh, Legacy Trail 100 Foundation. I know that you are very involved with that, well, both you and Ken. Can you tell us something about that and its mission? Certainly. When we sold to Lifetime, we kept the foundation here locally. And we registered it in 2002, although prior to that, Whenever we were flush with money, we did various things around the community. Mm-hmm. It is based in Leadville, and Leadville is our target. 
and we we try to make Leadville a better place to live and work for everyone that, that lives here and visits. Okay. So over the years, we've done many, many good works, but I think probably what we're proudest of is that at this point, every single Lake County graduating senior receives a $1,000 scholarship to go on to any form of higher education, not based on grades, not based on family wealth, but just we want to get them in the door. And it doesn't matter if it is trade school yeah. or a research university, we're yeah. going to get them started. Well, all of our athletes buy into that. Yes. What they are doing here, they are helping Leadville. They know that we're a community in need. They're helping Leadville. So we get a lot of contributions, donations from our, from our athletes. What we do right now, we give every Leadville high school graduate a thousand bucks. 100% of them take us up on that, go to some form of higher education. And uh, what we hope to do, we know a thousand bucks doesn't buy you college education, but we hope as our foundation grows, as we get more support from our athletes, that we can increase that. I'd like to someday go down to that high school and say, look, kids, you go where you want to go to welding school, you want to go to a research university, we'll pay for it. Right. And that that's our long-term goal. But, and I'm sorry to jump in there, Mary Lee, but that's all right. you, you do a lot of other things in the community. The we do have um, an executive yeah. director, mm -hmm. and we have a website. It is leadbelltrail100legacy.com. Okay, I'll put it on the website. Too, okay, that would be great. Yeah. We just finished in December a, a, an amazing Christmas party for all the kids at the center. Huh. and a wrapped gift, and we have Santa there. Mm -hmm. and, and thanks to the teachers, we're able to make a lot of wishes come true. We're currently looking at maybe some sort of bike giveaway uh. to some of the kids in Leadville. Yeah, we want, I want, I want every kid, and we've got to pick a grade, and we're, we're second grade, third grade, whatever it is, but I want to, at that point, give every kid a bicycle. Yep. I want to make sure every kid has wheels. We're a blue-collar, hard-working community. I mean, majority of our community, they work at the ski areas, travel over there and, and work and then come back and live in Leadville. Some of their, I know some of those families just cannot afford a, afford a bicycle. Yep. I mean, um, so that's one of our goals, and I hope to happen this next year. I want every kid to get on two wheels. Yep. Every, and uh, that helps them from... Yeah, gets them from point A to point B, helps them from a health perspective. I think it'll just help them long-term in school and everything be successful. Good stuff. Yeah. Awesome. 1,500 seems a, a low cap. I know I've done the Copper Triangle, for example, and that's at 4,000 on a road. Yeah. yeah. 1,500, have you kept that purposely small or is there, are there other limitations that you've had that imposed on you? Well, our limitations are imposed by ourselves. We want, we want, uh, and this goes back to the beginning of the race when, when we, we capped the race. Marilyn and I capped the races ourselves. Mm -hmm. We wanted two criteria, be two things. Number one, the quality of the athletic experience. Mm -hmm. We wanted as a runner or as a cyclist, you have, you're not wheel to wheel or heel to heel yep. with somebody else. I mean, you're, you spend. Some, you spend a lot of time introspectively. <laughs> and then number two is health and life safety. Yeah. I mean, we are at 10,200 feet and uh, we have a small, 
small medical community. Now, as things have grown and progressed over the years, we have a huge medical community that comes in, yeah. volunteers. Yeah. So that's not so much an issue. Yeah. But the quality of the athletic experience is that's yeah. huge. I've been around these types of races enough to know that these races do not happen without volunteers that you just mentioned. What does that volunteer staff look like for you at the, at the level 100? I'm not sure in today's world what it was, but I can tell you that we used to at least for the run 700 volunteers and probably more like 1,200 for the bike. Mm -hmm. They come from all over. Sometimes they're family of, of racers. Sometimes they are racers that are looking to do some volunteer time and get some consideration into the next year's race, which happens. Yep. I think even the volunteers, when we were talking earlier about digging deep, I, I think we see that from our volunteers coming in and doing more and being more and, and being a part of it. Yeah. Well, these races, the 100 mile races in particular, have become almost a religion, if you will, or a cult. Yep. There are people that come that want to volunteer just to be a part of that, mm -hmm. uh, be a part of that experience and uh, be a part of that. You're better than you think you are. You can do more than you think you can. Dig deep, keep, don't quit. Uh, that's what we teach, that's what we preach. And uh, Good stuff. I do have some quick fire questions for you. Quick fire question, one sentence answers. Okay. Okay, here we go. Who taught you to ride a bike? Ken. My brother. Oh, okay. And this is in Oklahoma? I remember very exactly. My, we, we just got out of church. On, my dad worked six days a week. We spent Sunday in church. Uh, we just got out of church. It was a rainy evening. My dad had from another church member bought a little, one of these little bitty bikes. I probably wasn't six years old or something. It was sort of misting rain that evening. We picked up the bike. There was a huge pasture, you know, probably 40 acre pasture between the people he bought the bike from and where we lived. And my brother pushed me in, on that bike through that mud and so and I fell over and by the time we got home I wet and muddy. <laughs> yeah, that's where I learned to ride. That's where I learned to ride a bike. That's great. Marilee? I think probably my mom and dad. Uh -huh. yeah. in, in Texas? Yes. Okay, got it. Yeah. All right. Good. What bikes do you own today? I'm, I'm a specialized guy. I have a specialized two-niner that's latest and latest and the greatest there, and then, and then thanks to Lifetime, the um, the uh, athletic events company, they uh, as a gift, the, the number one guy at the Lifetime bought me a fat bike. Oh yeah, that's the best specialized that makes. I mean, my son told me when he saw this bike, he said, "Dad, the wheels on your." Your fat bike costs more than my entire bike. <laughs> so, well, yeah, yeah. so if you stick it on your car, it probably is worth more than your car as well. well no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that could be. <laughs> Marilee still riding a bike? I have a bike. It's a, a, a beater bike with coaster brakes and, and no gears. <laughs> gets, gets you into town for a coffee, right? <laughs> How many miles did you ride last year? I'm not sure. You know, in this country, I'm not sure I go by my, 
go by miles. It's, I, I tried to, well, I don't do much in the winter. Maybe on a new fat bike, I'll do more in the winter. But yeah. but I tried to run and bike at least two hours a day. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of fitness for, for me. Yeah. Marilyn? No idea. No idea. <laughs> okay, that's fine. You see, the sad thing is when I wrote this question, and I'm trying to ask this during every interview that I do, is that we're also glued to the stats of what we collect on these rides. So Strava, you probably know of, or or whatever. And and I do it just to keep track. It's not a competitive thing. But on the other hand, like, do I really need to do that? Is it not just, I just got out on my bike five days a week last year? I don't know. well, yeah, I'm a technological dinosaur, yeah. no doubt about that. So I just get on it and go okay. as much as I can when I can. Okay, Ken, best ride you ever went on? I don't think that's happened yet. Oh, good <laughs> that's good. Yeah, no, no the, the, no, the best rides are just here in Leadville. I love Leadville so much, and Leadville's such a part of me. I, you know, we've got the great Mineral Belt Trail here. I do that on the fat bike. I try to stay on the 100-mile course as much as I can. So, Oh, and we've got a great race, too. Let me promote a, promote a race other than the 100-miles uh, the because we've got the stage race mid-July. That's the 100-mile race divided up into three days. I might just do that. Cause <laughs> I might do that. That sounds much more it up is, my alley. <laughs> it is so much fun. We have... Yeah. So yeah, I hope right. your your right. your listeners will will tune into that stage race. Yeah, good for sure. Marilee? I think probably one of my rides around Turquoise Lake mm. would be. It's a know, gorgeous one of my part best. of the world. Yes, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, that is good. Well, good. I've taken up way more of your time. You're very busy people. Thank you so much for being on the Ben and Bikes podcast. I really enjoyed the conversation, and I wish you. The best of luck for the 25th anniversary. It's a huge milestone. Congratulations. Really appreciate Thank you it. so much. Right. And we appreciate your time, too. Thanks right. for your, your interest in Leadville and the Leadville Trail 100 events. Not at all, Ken. Yeah. Thank, thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Ben and Bikes podcast. You'll find this and many other episodes about athletes, authors, filmmakers, and community organizers, all with a story to tell about bikes by visiting benandbikes.com. Thank you for listening. We'd sure appreciate it if you could rate and review the Ben and Bikes podcast wherever you listen. We appreciate your support, and thanks for helping us connect with other bike enthusiasts. If you have a bike story to tell, email us, ben at benandbikes.com.